Miss Debbie, every single time that you have uh, spoken while I'm coming up here, you're prophesying my message. <laughs> you walk in a you walk in the heavenly realm. Whenever you come in contact with her, you're coming in contact with uh, an unseen world. You're coming in contact with heaven. I need to get around you more. Because there is a realm that we exist in. We don't usually know and we, we typically aren't aware of it. It's very real and it's even, it's tangible um, and it affects the physical realm. It, uh, it even, uh, it affects the physical realm just as much as Newtonian laws of physics affect the physical realm. Yeah. And um, but we don't we don't really want to acknowledge that with our scientific worldviews today. Um, so let's pop open to first no second Corinthians four eighteen. So I'm just going to pull this out. This uh y'all this passage is uh just go back and read it. It's it's uh, it's it's one of those gems in the New Testament. Uh, but we're just going to look at verse eighteen. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So just think about that for a second. We do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So Paul tells us explicitly to actively choose to focus on one realm above another realm. Focus your perceptions into what is unseen. Because what is unseen is eternal. But the seen realm is only temporary. What we see here and now is only temporary. Uh, so this brings up the question, does that mean that we ignore this realm, the seen realm, the natural realm? Do we ignore it? Do we look past the seen realm and only acknowledge the unseen? Do we acknowledge the seen and only allow ourselves to be influenced by the unseen? Or do we ignore the seen altogether and only live from the unseen? Um, so I think, uh, I think these are some questions that you'll have to figure out for yourself. Um, but one thing is for sure, our responsibility as sons and daughters in a heavenly realm, we are to live from influencing and be influenced by that unseen realm. Uh, here, this is this is how I distinguish it. Um, I distinguish it by calling it the inferior realm and the superior realm. The seen is uh, temporary, and it's inferior to the unseen, which is eternal and superior. So that that's how that helps me. Um, 
just kind of navigate as I'm walking kind of in this, we're partly down here and we're up here too. It helps me to, to understand where I'm at if I, if I can recognize this is the inferior and this is the superior and I have all the backing of the superior realm. I have all the influence of the superior realm um, influencing me and equipping me to walk around in this inferior realm. Um, so I'm going to share y'all a, a dream that I had. Um, this is a really significant dream uh, that it, it, it helped me to see into the superior realm so that I could walk out in this inferior realm. So uh, when, we were in, when we were living in Redding, California, uh, a lot of y'all know that when Elise was born, she's our two-year-old. When she was born, she ended up having to go to the go to the hospital because she had a she was missing a ventricle in her in her heart, and she had a a hole where it shouldn't have been, and all kind of all kind of issues with her heart. Um, she she came a month early, unexpected. So, uh, so I'm gonna tell you about the dream that I had before she came. So one night. Uh, normal night sleeping, uh, I had a dream, and in this dream, I opened up a door, and I started walking through a hallway, and there were angels with, uh, with like palm branches kind of fanning me uh, as, I walked, as I walked through it, and when I got to the end of the hallway at another door, I heard a voice that said, it's time, let's do this, and then I woke up. And um, so I woke up from that dream. What was that about? That was weird. It's kind of cool. I don't know what it means. And, um, and that day, Elise came a month early. And she, um, wow. she had unexpected uh, heart issues we had no clue about. She was, she was, she was born... Uh, we held her for a few seconds. They took her off, and um, and then they they flew her to Sacramento, and then um, and so we went home. Mary Cameron didn't she 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 gave birth, didn't sleep on into the night. Neither one of us slept, and um, so I, I I cooked up a couple jars of coffee, a couple mason jars, and uh, we drove to Sacramento. It was a two-hour drive, so I drank. I drank both mason jars of coffee to, to make it through. I hadn't, didn't sleep at all the night before. And um, when I got there, I was able, I knew that this didn't surprise God. It was, it was terrifying to me. It was scary. I didn't know if she was going to make it. Uh, I didn't know what, what to expect. But, um, but I knew that the, in the spirit realm, in the superior realm, it, it was time. And it, was, it, it, didn't, it didn't scare God. He, he wasn't afraid. He, he didn't, uh, it's not like he didn't know what to do. And so looking at a completely fearful situation, I knew that the Lord actually had angels set up to serve me because it says that his angels are ministering spirits for us. We kind of don't 
we kind of don't acknowledge their existence. I mean, you know, we're, we're obviously not supposed to worship them or give too much attention to them, but they are there, and they do serve us, and they do minister to us. Um, but that dream helped me to understand that I have a superior realm behind me and with me. God is for me, and he's not against me. And this, what I'm looking at right now, I don't know how to handle that. I don't know what to do with it. And when I, when I got to the hotel, I just kind of brought my bags in and set them down. And I, I became overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And I fell to my knees and in joy. This is one of the, one of the darkest times of my life. I felt totally defeated. Um, and I, I was able to be overcome. I started laughing, y'all. This is one of the darkest times of my life. And I was, I was pulling from a superior realm the joy of God in the midst of this difficult, dark time. And um, so that's the superior. That's the superior in this inferior. And uh, yeah. And and I had to I had to remind myself because it's heavy. When you know something that something that dark, something that heavy, you can't always think clearly or see clearly. And um and so I, I made my I reminded myself this is these are all the things that the Lord has done up to this point. This this is what the Lord has done. This is how he's been good. This is what he's doing. Yes. And I come in face to face with this yeah. and that does not change any of that. Okay? So now now I'm equipped to face what comes next because I am walking in the superior realm above all of this. That's, uh, that's good. That's good news. Yes, sir. Hey, we prayed for y'all during that whole time. Yeah, we felt it. We felt it. Man, um, Elise is a happy, healthy baby today. So um, let's check out another one. Let's go to Colossians 3. Verses 1 through 3. It says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek what is above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above and not on what is on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay. So here... He says to set your mind on heavenly things and specifically do not set your minds on earthly things. Okay. I got any questions? Yeah. When we talk about the preaching schedule, I mean, this is the last Sunday before Christmas. That's an excellent question, Josiah. I'm so glad you asked that. What does this have to do with Christmas? You are a, uh, thank you, good. Oh, Pete, can you put up that first pick, the blue one? Here we go. 
There's, there's Christmas. There it is. <clears throat> All right. So, let's read Matthew chapter 2. Here's the, here's the Christmas story. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read verses 1 through 18, and, um, and we're, gonna, we're just going to kind of flesh it out a little bit. I'm gonna, we're just going to walk through it and see, see, what's, see what's there. So, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Okay, now. In the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem. So these wise men are, they're called magi, and they are royal kings and priests. They are royalty. So this little three guys on camels walking through the desert, that's not what went down. Um, if, uh, if three guys on camels humped through the desert and tried to talk to a king, he's not going to be very interested in what they have to say. What, what this was, was this was a caravan of... Um, of politicians, royalty, wise men, and they're not going to walk through. They're from the nation. They're from the empire of Parthia, which is where Daniel prophesied the coming of the Messiah. He was the leader of the wise men um, generations before. So they had a. There's. There's a. So these these guys would have had an army with them. They're not. They're not going to travel through all this, uh, um, all, through this land with a bunch of robbers and um, all kind of nomads and who knows what, carrying. It says they have treasures, so they're not going to be. They're not. It's not three guys on camels. Is what I'm trying to say. So, so these kings from another rival Roman Empire show up unexpectedly in Jerusalem with an army. And they say to the king, I got it, don't worry about it. Uh, they say to the king, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So they say to the king, where, where is this new king? We have gifts for him. We don't really have gifts for you, we have gifts for this other king. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. So... Verse 3, when Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, <laughs> and all Jerusalem with him. Jerusalem is not going to be deeply disturbed if three guys on camels walk up and tell the king, we're, we're looking for, for this guy. Um, and this is a, so also this is a, uh, so Herod this is a rival empire that, uh, that they managed to make a 
semblance of peace. And so he's trying not to, uh, not to disturb that peace. So um, Herod's pretty distressed. So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. So verse 5, they respond, In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him. And Bethlehem is eight miles away from the palace. Because this is what was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. So he asked, he asked the chief priest, who, uh, where's, this, where's this guy coming from? And they say, Oh, he's coming to Bethlehem because out of Bethlehem is gonna a leader's gonna rise, and he's gonna shepherd Israel. That is a direct threat to his kingship and to his reign. So Herod secretly summoned all the magi and asked them the exact time that the star appeared. So he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for this child. Uh, when you find him, report back to me so that I can go worship him too. After he, That was deceitful, by the way. <laughs> After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped over the place the child was. Okay, this, uh, this whole star thing... Um, there's all kind of stuff on the internet. Um, <laughs> so, uh, all kind of weird stuff. There was a, uh, there was an alignment of stars. There was, um, the, this constellation and the Regalus star, and then Jupiter was over here. Uh, there, there's all this kind of stuff. I don't know if it's true. It may or may not be. Um, but if you read here, it says... Uh, so they came from the east. Wait, where's the east on my point? That's north, right? East, yeah, east. So they came from the east, and uh, it appears that when they got here, they, they lost it. So they, they just assumed Jerusalem, because that's, uh, that's what this guy Daniel, who was, our, who was the... Uh, the chief leader over the magicians and the wizards and stuff, uh, he said, so I think they said, you know, all right, let's just go to Jerusalem. This, this star is telling us to go this way. So they get to Jerusalem and they ask, so where exactly is he going to be born? And so they say, Bethlehem. And so they, then, okay, let's go to Bethlehem and see what we find. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's the star again. So... I think, my personal opinion, is the star is an angel. That's, that's my personal opinion. I'm willing to be wrong. So anyway, because all of a sudden the star, oh, it appears. And it also, it appeared right above a star billions of light years away. Can't really move around in the sky. So in my opinion, the, the Bible refers to a lot of angelic beings as stars. So there's, there you go. That's just kind of a fun fact. Um, it's not relevant. Um, so they, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. 
Verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure, entering the house. So the star stopped right above the house. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Verse 13. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. So, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been outwitted by the wise men, he flew into a rage. King James says, he became exceedingly wroth. So he gave orders to massacre all of the male children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. So I would assume the wise men predicted that Jesus was born about a year and six months before they arrived, and then Herod would just kind of cover his basis and say, two years and under, kill all of them. Then, what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. So this is a prophecy about all of this, about Herod destroying all the two-year-olds and under. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they were no more. Now, do you want to know what really happened in the unseen realm? All right, everybody turn to your Bibles to Revelation. <laughs> huh? Um, Pete, can you put the... Put the next Christmas blessings, everyone. <laughs> All right, I need a um, I need a volunteer to read Revelation. Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Read one. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Read Revelation twelve. One through eleven. Okay. Good. Yeah. Read it um one hundred percent like William Polk. 
We were it. <laughs> this could take a while. <laughs> As I would read it. Yeah. Discover <laughs> myself. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. I would probably stop here and go, hmm. Um, (laughs) His tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth, and the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she did give birth, he might devour her child. But she gave birth to a son, a male who was going to shepherd all nations with an iron scepter. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be fed there for 1260 days. Then a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought. But he could not prevail, and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world, he was thrown to earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah have now come, because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives in the face of death. That's it? That's, a, uh, that's an awesome passage. Um, so that is what was actually happening in the superior realm during all of this time. So... Now, I personally think that uh, Revelation, and keep in mind, we just have to simply accept that there's going to be a lot of mystery in Revelation. And um, we're not, we may not be able to understand it completely. So, I think that Revelation is what is called a chiasmus. A lot of, I bet Tim knows this word. Um, so, a lot of scholars would disagree with me. because it's the book of Revelation. But, uh, so what in the world is a chiasmus? Um, So here's what a chiasm or a chiasmus is. It's a a literary device that is kind of like a mirror image. So for example, the first verse and the last verse coincide with each other. The second verse and the second to last verse coincide with each other. The third verse and third to last and all the way until you get to the middle. So that's, a, that's, that's what a chiasm is. There's a lot in, the, in Genesis and uh, the law and the prophets. There's some in the, in the New Testament. Um, but when you get to the center, so it's a, it's a, it helps you focus all when you get to the center. So the, the Jews in the first century would have known, here's the main point. It's like it's directing you to the center to say this is the main point. Um, and so since I think that Revelation is a, is a chiasm, um, I think that 
when you get to the center of Revelation, that's the that's the main point. And uh, also, I think Revelation twelve is a chiasm itself. But um, so if Revelation is a, a chiastic structure, and Revelation now it doesn't work out the the chapter numbers and verses because they were added years you, you know, generations later. So, um, but. Revelation chapter 12, what we just read, is the very center. It's the point of Revelation. Um, oh, wow. I got the thumbs up from, from Tim. Right. I'm proud of that. Um, <laughs> sometimes I, I'll, I'll look over at him and say, was that right? Did I say that? Was that right? <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, where was I? What was I talking about? The center. The center. Okay, yeah. So, the whole point of Revelation is that, that center where Jesus, he comes into the world, he defeats Satan, and he reigns. Glory! <laughs> That's Revelation in a nutshell. The revelation of Jesus. Exactly. That's good. So, does anybody have any questions? Yeah. Okay. What's your point? Before you answer his very pointy question. Okay. Beautiful, Johnny. In true, true Johnny form. <laughs> so if you don't recognize the chiasm, you have a chasm in your theology. All right. I like it. I'll go with it. Okay. So you are a scholar, Josiah. What is the point? What is the point? I ask myself that all the time. Um, so what, what is the point? Um, if you would have been a parent in Bethlehem at this time, then you would have come to the conclusion that darkness has won. You would come to the conclusion that evil has prevailed. You would come to the conclusion that Herod has successfully oppressed our people Again. <laughs> so, how do we see the truth of what God has done and is doing in the moments that feel dark? In Bethlehem, it didn't really seem like the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. Didn't, didn't look like that. It didn't seem like those people uh, and the people of Bethlehem, it didn't seem like a light has dawned, as it says. Um, so, we may be in a time that feels dark, it, 
sometimes we go into those places and it feels dark. Sometimes it's even for years. But it's not the whole story. It's not the whole picture. Yes. Glory. So, there is a superior realm that influences this inferior realm. There is a superior realm that is more real than the scene temporary, even though it feels really intense here in the, in the scene, earthly, temporal realm. So in verse 11, in chapter 12, in Revelation, it says, They conquered Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives even when facing death. That is how the people of God overcame Satan after Jesus overcame him. So what is the testimony? Um... So when times get dark, we look back and remind ourselves of what God has done. We remind ourselves of who He is, what He has said, what His promises are, and what He has done in our lives. So this is a very practical way to begin to start to understand how to see into the unseen realm and how to walk in it. So much like Miss Debbie does. I, I want to be like her. Um, so this is a very practical way to take your mind off what is happening in front of you. To take your mind off of what's happening in this temporary realm. And to place it, set it, focus on the superior So we're gonna um, we're gonna practice this, do some uh, lab session. They uh, they clung to the blood of Jesus and their testimonies. That's what they clung to. Yeah. To overcome Satan, to overcome the world, they clung to the blood of Jesus and to their testimonies. So by doing this, they weren't bound by what they saw. They weren't bound by what was presented to them. Um, so, and they didn't, love, they didn't love their lives here on earth because they were living their life in the heavenly realm. So, uh, Hannah, will you and the worship team come up? So this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to do, uh, this is going to be our response time. We're going to have communion. So we are going to actively remember the body and the blood of Jesus. This is how he overcame. Okay? We're going to actively set our minds on what he has accomplished. And he is the risen Christ on the throne, reigning above the temporary in the superior so we're going to enter that superior realm by taking communion. And so here, here's, here might be the, the hard part for some of you. 
but we're going to be verbal and vocal. When we, when we come up, get into groups of three or four or five or six and kind of split up, not just your family. You can if you want, but split up. And we're going we're gonna to share a testimony with each other. So, uh, and it, you don't have to go into the long, extravagant details of, of what, uh, what everybody was wearing at the time it happened. But um, uh, you, you can be as general, vague, or as specific as you want. Uh, my, here, here's, my, here's my testimony. Um, this week, the Lord gave me some new perspective. I'm just going to remember that. He, he has given me n- new perspectives multiple times. And I'm just going to remember that, that simple testimony. And um, that, that helps keep me focused on what is he, what is he doing. How can I see into that, into that realm? And um, we are going to cling to the blood of Jesus and to our testimonies. So remember, be a, get with get in a small few small groups, and share a simple, deep, powerful, strong testimony of the little things that he has done in your life. So come up here and um, and let's partake in joy what the Lord has done for us.